Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Tyler Schultz. And I'm Rob Enough, and uh, it's been a while since you've heard my voice. Last four weeks we have had Matt and Jeremy on talking about all things Clash of Kings. And uh, I don't know, if you have you been following any of those uh, leaks? Of and, course. Yeah. Of so what, what, are, what are your thoughts on clash of kings well i'm actually fortunate enough to be one of the playtesters so i know more than most but uh i'm just really excited i like the way it's been kind of you know just drip dropped through all the different channels and all the different podcasts and you know each each little tidbit is like a new exciting thing and so i'm i'm really excited for everybody to see the whole book because it's it's so much fun you have a new army in store i'm well so i during during pandemic I, I did a bunch of stuff with the the Order of the Green Lady, and I did a bunch of stuff with the Brother Mark, uh, both of whom are getting a lot of really cool new stuff. I mean, every army is, but I mean, especially those two for me. So I'm I'm gonna really hit the the Brother Mark hard. I think come come book season. Well, for those who are listening to this, if you would remember back to last Wednesday, you would have heard our Brother Mark episode where we unveiled all the new units that are coming out for and all the changes that are coming out for brother mark and in fact you could argue that brother mark is almost an entirely new army at this point yeah and i think that's that's really important i'm sure they're gonna say all that stuff already or they already did uh but you basically they had very little character very little flavor and now they've got plenty of character plenty of flavor and now a bunch of new avenues that they can go in the future which what's, i'm really what's, what's your about. favorite change in that list uh favorite change for the brother mark for sure is getting hordes of Knights on foot. Yeah, I mean, defense five, hitting is, on threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's basically uh, well, foot I, I guard. Dropped the I dropped the crushing. Uh, but yeah, they get a bunch of bonuses and make them a little better than like the, the generic foot guard. And it's just a really flavorful, cool thing. Plus, they have a lot of cool combos now, especially with all the characters. Characters are just awesome. I like the fearless unit. The uh, I forget what they're called. There's Fun the fact. Fun fact. They yeah. almost didn't make it into the book really uh, i mean mm. well they did we did all the playtesting. we did all the stuff and then they were going through the drafts of of you know final proofing the coffee and stuff for the book and uh I, i'm gonna take credit for this because i was like hey where's where's my Osworn guardians what what happened where, where are they and they're like oh whoops we we, we forgot to put them in there so <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm gonna take full credit for uh for saving the Osworn guardians because i I love that unit. They're so cool. Yeah, they sound like in the, they're really powerful, but it's limited because it is a living legend unit. You know, you are stuck to just the one, and the fact that it only comes in a regiment, right? Yeah, I, I think it's a really cool, uh, flavorful add-on, but it definitely works really well with the rest of the units, especially with that inspiring. It's just they're they're just really awesome, and fearless is obviously fantastic. Oh, fearless on anything is amazing. You know, um, yeah. So what what do you got planned for you know hobby? What have you been? So you've been. Messing around during the COVID break with uh, nights. What else have you been working on? Well, let's, so most of my hobby, at least for the past couple of months, has been extremely dead zone centric, uh, as you can tell by the title of this of this podcast. Uh, That's right. I'm here to talk about dead zone, but I I've been pouring in a lot of time and effort. I've gone through my back catalog and cleaned up and painted and rebased and done a whole bunch of stuff for a bunch of the different factions. 
my my biggest achievement for sure was uh redoing all of my enforcers for dead zone slash firefight for whatever i had like a hundred enforcers that i was just not really happy with or they were just primed and kind of that's it and so uh I just got this insane wave of of motivation. I just pounded out the entire army in like a week, like not even exaggerating, a full like hundred miniatures plus two vehicles in like a week. So that that's my biggest uh, hobby achievement. And then, uh, you know, hobby takes many forms, and I've I've been spending a lot of time doing videos uh, lately because I've just got the the dead zone bug right now, and not to say that. I don't have the Kings of War bug because right now is like basically the best time ever for me. I, I absolutely love Kings of War and we're on the, the brand new book phase and then Dead Zones on the brand new book phase. So it's just like all the best things happening at the same time. So we would be remiss if we didn't reintroduce you to the Counter Charge audience. I know you're famous. You know, I know you've been on lots of episodes, you know, but let's be honest. When we're on episodes with 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 the late great Jesse, you know, we're we're kind of second ham to him. So. Give us your credentials. You know, you have a, a YouTube channel. I mean, you are, for all intents and purposes, the sci-fi guy. Yeah, at least I was. Now I'm kind of a combo guy, but uh, my, my channel's still very sci-fi centric. Uh, I try not to to crisscross too much into the fantasy stuff, basically just because I don't have enough time to do it all. And I just really like playing Kings of War. And it doesn't yield itself as well to, like, really playing the game when you're doing battle reports like when you play dead zone and you do battle reports at the same time it doesn't feel that intrusive but i feel like for kings of war you have to make it a whole production uh to get like that really high quality stuff so uh yeah my, my channel is dread path zone uh it's a, an amalgamation of all the sci-fi games for mantic uh really i've just been doing dead zone lately because that's the best game but uh yeah, I've been doing a lot of videos and stuff for that lately and just cranking out content for getting ready for third edition of Dead Zone. So you got in the title, you got Dreadball, Dead Zone, Warpath. You need to work in Firefight, don't you? Uh, yeah, you know. And, I, is, and what about Overdrive? I actually I got a copy of Overdrive and I still need to open it up and probably do a video on that. So that'll that'll come down the line, too. Exactly. We'll see. So yeah, you've been putting out lots of content though recently about the new Dead Zone, and we figured tonight we would spend a little time talking about it, giving you the highlights, but from the perspective of to or, or to the the normal uh, fantasy player, right? Like, why would you want to play Dead Zone? You know what what's great about it? Um, so why don't we start there? What's the elevator pitch for Dead Zone? What you know? What why is the game amazing? Yeah, well, I would first direct everybody to my new video that I made. Uh, it's called How to Dead Zone, 3rd Edition. Uh, it is a really fast, really good intro to the whole game. Kind of the mechanics in the latter half, and then like all the lore and stuff in the first half. But basic elevator pitch is that Dead Zone is really a fast, fun game that's uh, not quite as as hard thinking as like Kings of War in terms of having to plan in the future and stuff. It's a lot more reactive, which is a really fun change. And it's always good to just kind of, you know, have some variety in the games you play, especially uh, because, you know, some games can get really similar. Because I think, you know, like with the intention of having Vanguard be like smaller Kings of War, and I know you guys have talked extensively about how Vanguard isn't quite what we're looking for. Uh, I feel like Dead Zone is exactly that. It's like the perfect game for Friday night before GT or just, you know, just something to shake up and, and break up the 
the fantasy elements and just introduce a little bit of sci-fi, add some guns, add some lasers, add some aliens, and, you know, just have a good time with it. Well, yeah, I think we missed an opportunity, obviously, to make a fantasy version of, of Dead Zone, right? Like, that would have been incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I still have I still have daydreams of, of Vanguard being on a grid system where you don't have to measure anything. That would be... That would be my my ideal version. So, what's the elevator pitch? You know, you know, and and obviously, maybe there's two. Maybe there's one elevator pitch that you give to a Kings of War player who's you know, or a player that's normally just historic, you know, historical or fantasy bent. And then let's let's start there. Yeah. So I would say that the Dead Zone scratches a different itch in a way that a lot of other games can't. Uh, I just really think it it's got. A lot of different elements and a little bit of randomness that just make it a little bit, you know, less crunchy, which a lot of fantasy games, especially like Kings of War, tend to get. And this is something I used to talk with Jesse about all the time. He was a huge proponent of of Dead Zone. And this is always kind of one of his visions is to get a lot of the Kings of War players to pick up Dead Zone because they they have a lot of things in common, too. Like the, the way that you basically never have to look at the rule book is amazing. Uh I think that's just something Mantic does pretty well in general, which is why I like their games a lot. But you'll never go to like a Dead Zone event and just see everybody with their nose buried into a book trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And, you know, that I think that's one of the biggest elevator selling pitches for me is that it's it's fast, it's fun, it's very three-dimensional, which is very different from like Kings of War. Uh, it's, especially if you're just, you know, if, if you're used to playing Kings of War, you know you can play on Universal Battle or something where it's literally a 2D you know, game of, of moving around cardboard squares or whatever. Dead Zone's not like that at all. It's completely three-dimensional. You have to get down to the model's eye view, and it's it's just a really different kind of shakeup. But then it's also got some familiar features, like if you really like orcs, like you can still play orcs and that kind of thing. So, um, Or if you want to play dwarves, like the Forge Fathers are, are your, your go-to. So there's there's always like, there's a little bit of that 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 fun fantasy stuff that kind of bleeds into you know, similar feelings to like Kings of War, but it's very different, which is, I think, the, the best selling point for a, a fantasy player. Now, here's another one. What's the elevator pitch? Because, you know, we all play in, you know, a lot of us play in stores and there's people playing Kill Team or Necromunda or other games that are of that ilk. What's the what's the elevator pitch to those players? Yeah, I would say, you know, one of the reasons that I, I came over to Dead Zone uh, back when they did their very first Kickstarter is I was just so disgruntled with 40K. 40K had just gotten so bogged down in so much crap where somebody would just be rolling dice themselves for 10 minutes while I just stare at them. And they're just saying, oh, this is the psychic phase. And I'm just going to do this to buff this guy to do that, to do this. And I'm just sitting there like, when do I get to play? You know, what, what What? am I doing here? I'm just watching you play against yourself and it's really not fun. And so when I saw the rules for Dead Zone and, you know, no tape measures and none of the none of the really annoying, crunchy rule, confusing stuff like that was just a godsend for me. So I, I think in terms of like other skirmish games, other fantasy, other uh, sci fi games that are out there on the market, I just feel like Dead Zone has it so simplified to where you're just having fun. You're just playing the game and having fun, reacting to what your opponent does, trying to do things to make your opponent react to you. And like, there's just not a lot of confusion. There's no hubbub of, of oh, but if I do this, this will trigger that, which will do this. It's just very simple. You know, if I say I'm going to shoot that guy, I'm going to shoot that guy. If I play a command dice that says I'm going to shoot that guy again, I'm going to shoot that guy again. And that's as, it's straight, as straightforward as that. One of the other things, the selling points 
or people coming from a different game, different game companies, is the marketing, uh, the way the game is marketed, the way the game is sold to, to retail, in the sense that you're not having to chase codexes, you're not cha- you're not chasing army lists. You know, you buy the book. Occasionally, yeah, there'll be a supplement that comes out every maybe a year. But, you know, it's like you buy the book and then you have everything. What was good today is still going to be good for a while. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite things about it, too, is is the releases are pretty big. And then they just, you know, they ride the wave. They don't they don't do the, oh, I didn't buy your $50 book, so I have no idea if you're lying to me or not aspect, which I truly appreciate. When did Dead Zone come out? So old school Dead Zone, like version one. Uh, was written by Jake Thornton in like 2013, I think, is when the first Kickstarter was. So I've I've been doing this a while now. Actually, that yeah. makes me sound kind of old. So I guess there's my credentials. There you go, Rob. Uh, OG Dead Zone player for you. Absolutely, absolutely. And the game the game has definitely shifted quite a bit. Um, I think the shift from first edition to second edition that second edition was like pretty large. You know, lots of core rule changes, and they added the command dice, and they took away. Because I think in OG Dead Zone, you had different missions. So like I'd be mm-hmm. playing one mission, and you'd be playing a different one at the same time. Which was kind of an interesting idea. But then gameplay-wise, it was kind of like, yeah, but then you're totally content with just going over on your side of the board and doing whatever you need to do. And I'm totally content doing what I need to do. And there's not a lot of tension in between. So, yeah, I think that the change from first to second uh, was pretty massive. But the change from second to third is just a lot cleaner. I guess it's it's a really really similar to the the growth of Kings of War, honestly. Uh Kings of War first edition was like fun, but it was kind of messy, you know, as most first editions are. And then the switch to second edition was like pretty big, pretty good shakeups that really got it kind of to the state of the game and then third edition was just like cleaning it up and making it as refined as you can get it. And so that's kind of where we are with Dead Zone now. So you don't have to worry about jumping into a game of dead zone and being like, ah, this doesn't really, you know, doesn't feel ironed out. It feels like a first edition of a game. Cause it, it doesn't, it's definitely a third edition where things are figured out and ironed out to the point where it's like, ah, there we go. Now, now everything makes sense. You know, give us that five minute pitch on the, you know, the actual how, mecha- you know, mechanics of the game. I know it's a, basically a two foot by two foot board divided up into eight or eight by eight, three inch squares. Right. Uh, I would I would hesitate to use the the term squares. Uh, squares or cubes? No, no how's that? Word. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Cubes. cubes but when you look the, at the, the mat, when you look at the mat itself, it's squares. But yes, you, yeah. there's a lot of verticality to the game. Right, which which adds not only visual appeal. So like when you're walking around a game store and you see a dead zone table, it doesn't just add like visual appeal. It's actually gameplay involved because I know a lot of other games try to do 3D elements, and they just kind of don't really work. Dead zone, it's it's integral to the actual gameplay. And that's, that's one of my favorite things too, is I love the terrain for dead zone. Actually, Kyle pool has been sending me a bunch of pictures and stuff of his dead zone terrain progress. And he's like, dude, this stuff's addicting. I'm like, yeah, it really is. Cause you, you get to start building, you know, cool little configurations and then kind of stacking those configurations and just trying to get a lot of different, you know, heights and depths and things. So uh, in terms of like trying to pitch the actual mechanics of the game, it uses, uh, eight-sided dice, and most of the tests that you do, like if I'm going to shoot at you, uh, you start off with three dice. The other guy has three dice, and then there's modifiers that just add or subtract dice. You never actually modify the number. So it keeps things really similar, really, really simple. 
So when you're actually looking at your stat sheet, it never changes. It's it's a lot like Kings of War in that respect, where it's like, oh, this unit hits on a three up. They always hit on a three up. You can you can adjust it if you have, you know, better scenarios like if you're in the flank of something Kings of War. Similar if you have like high ground and you're shooting at something in dead zone, you get a plus one dice to that. And then basically the the people roll against each other. Uh, and so like if I'm shooting at you, I roll my shoot stat. You roll your survive stat, and then you compare the amount of successes. And then whoever's got the difference. So if I, you know, if I do better than you, uh, that's how much damage your guy's going to take. And then that damage can be either soaked up by armor. It can be ignored by armor piercing. And then you basically kill stuff. And it's it's really simple, really easy, and, and really, really effective and easy to, to teach people, which is another cool thing I like about it. The barrier for entry is really low, right? If you just wanted to play the game and you're playing with a community that already exists, that already has the terrain and the tables... You just need a, a, you know, a faction by or what are they called? Factions or warbands? Uh, usually they call them uh, strike teams. Strike so teams. Strike team. Strike team is like your, you know, that's who you're actually using on the table. And, you know, don't don't let my my story about 100 enforcers scare anybody off. It's that's way 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 too many. Like you only need like 10. <laughs> like it's it's low model count, so it's it's low commitment in terms of that kind of stuff. Like you know, for 30 35 bucks or whatever, you can have a brand new faction. Paint it up, model it up, uh, you know, with all the doodads, all the options, and you're you're pretty much good to go. So it's it's definitely a very reasonable entry, which is another reason why it pairs so well with Kings of War, because Kings of War is such a massive commitment, and you know, I wouldn't ever want to take away from that. But you know, if you ever want like a side game, you also don't want to make that a giant massive commitment. You know, sometimes you just want something a little easier that you can paint up in a week or two, and then you know you'll have it and you'll be ready to roll. Well, something to be said too with with the um, the reality of today is that most players, you know, you know, ranks and flanks is a hard sell because of the amount of you know the time commitment to get those armies together, and that's why I I really think that games like Dead Zone, the skirmish style, small strike team, small warbands, those that's you know very popular. I mean, if you look at the games that are popular, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, if you just compare starter sets, right? If you take the the Night Stalkers versus the uh northern alliance box set and then compare that to the dead zone box set you know i'm not saying that one's a way better value but like when you start off in kings of war like that is a true bare bones starter set you know like you're barely getting going you've got a couple units maybe to work with uh and then let's just kind of get the basics of the game down and then you can add from there but with dead zone like you buy the starter set and Obviously, you can always add to it, but you get the terrain, you get the mat, you get two factions, and they're both like pretty reasonable factions. So you can play, you know, a pretty good, pretty good little game, you know, for for minimal entry cost, which is which is really great, especially if you like, you know, because the the kits they put in there are so customizable with lots of different weapon options. Like if if you bought a starter set and I bought a starter set, and you really like the GCPS guys, the generic human troopers, and I really like the the rat severeman guys. You know, we'd be pretty set for for a while in terms of of unit variety and things like that too. So, um, it's definitely like an easier entry point, and I think that's definitely one of the the biggest selling points and why why a, a new starter set, a new edition is so important. I guess we should probably mention where we're at with the game is there's there's a new edition coming out. So this is edition three Yes, sir. Yeah, three three on the dot, and it's it's shipping now, and so. Basically, you know, they've we'll talk about some of the rule changes or it really hasn't doesn't sound like a ton of new rule changes. It's really just more of a streamline. 
Yeah, mostly just cleaning up old stuff. Right, but there is a new, uh, but there is a new player two two player starter set because the current one was like what Enforcers and Forge Fathers. Yeah, that's actually one of my biggest gripes about second editions. I think I think Mantic dropped the ball with that. A, they didn't put enough like terrain in that starter set to really get people going, and so you couldn't quite get a feel for the game because you had, you know, like I just said about the verticality thing, you didn't really have enough terrain in the in the second edition starter set to really do any verticality which kind of takes away all the fun of positioning yourself in the game uh and then the other problem with that one was that the forge fathers and enforcers while both being really cool are definitely very similar you know they're well armored good at shooting guys who go around the battlefield and shoot stuff you know whereas now with the new starter set they've got the uh the veermen who are you know lots of tiny dudes who run around and swarm stuff. And then you got the GCPS who are, you know, Keanu, your generic dudes who shoot stuff. So you got a different play styles, which is nice. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I guess you're right. Forge fathers and enforcers were very similar. Yeah. They're definitely different. Like once you start getting into the crunchier stuff, but like, if you're just looking at the game, you're like, Oh, so it's like really short terminators and tall terminators. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, let's do this. Let's give people a primer on th- what factions are in the game. Let's start with enforcers. Cause you seem to know a little bit about those guys. Ha <laughs> ha, joke's on you, Rob. I know everything about all of them. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the, the Enforcers are kind of your uh, your standard, super hyper awesome uh, secret soldier police guys that are basically government-sponsored. So they're the, they're the cream of the crop guys. I would hesitate to necessarily compare them to Space Marines, but they're kind of the Space Marines. Uh, they're not quite as, you know, fervent in their religious zealousy but maybe compare them just in the sense of maybe uh aesthetics right lots of power armor yeah power armor yeah but you and, and the fact that they're they're superhumans but that's about as far as it goes you know they're they're guys who can run faster jump higher shoot better you know that kind of thing so this is kind of your, your baseline for like elite style dudes um and so they're they're humans underneath all the stuff you know after you take off the tony stark masks they're definitely humans uh, See, so those are the, the souped-up human guys. And then on the not-so-souped-up human guys, you've got the GCPS, which is the Galactic Co-Prosperity Sphere, uh, which is just the super mega-corporate way of saying a bunch of humans are now a bunch of corporations in this universe that are just in it for the money. And so they need they need corporate armies to protect their assets and all that stuff. So this is your, your very standard generic guys. Think basically like uh, Marines in Halo. Think... Uh, the Marines and uh, Alien, just kind of standard human dudes, Starship Troopers, you know, just those guys. Lots of guns. These would be, I guess, if you're doing a 40K equivalent, it'd be the, the Imperial Guard kind of guys. And then you get into all of your, I guess there's one more human faction, which is sort of a combo faction. So this is a really interesting one. Uh, this is Maison Labs. So basically, this is a super secret shady uh corporation that likes to experiment with biological warfare and all that kind of crap and so basically they're they're kind of a hybrid faction in terms of the way they play which i think is really cool uh these guys were actually introduced in star saga which is the dungeon crawler in the same universe uh so these are all the minions from that game but basically you get a combination of the you know marine style um you know, shoot them up army guys, but then you also have a bunch of weird science experiments. So they, they mess with stuff like the plague. They have cyborgs. Like they've, they've got a, a, a good amount of flavor now. Um, so that they're, they're a little different. They're a little bit of a, a combo, which is fun. 
Uh, I just mentioned the plague. Plague are kind of the one of the biggest threats to the whole galaxy. They're the ones that um, run around and infect other humans, aliens, whatever you name it. They're just violent, bony, uh, fleshy dudes. A lot of people use uh, plague models in in Kings of War too. Uh, there's quite a few cool sculpts that I, I one of my f- favorite factions for sure is is plague. Um, but they're similar in like. Uh, kind of like the flood in Halo, I guess it'd be a pretty good uh, comparison. So they just kind of go around and mindlessly infect things. There's different degrees of infecting, so that some of them can still carry guns, and some of them are just ravenous monsters. So Plague is a pretty cool one. Uh, let's see. I guess I can talk about orcs. So orcs in space are called marauders. Uh, they're not your traditional orcs. They're actually pretty smart. They're not just dumb brutes that walk around and beat stuff up. So if you're if you're into the orc aesthetic, uh, but this is kind of more of a military tactical style orcs. They're not like a bunch of dumb goobers who, you know, tie everything together with zip ties and and shoot in the air. These guys are more more contract killers, but green. <laughs> That's pretty much how marauders are in in Dead Zone. And then you've got the space elf guys. So that'd be the Asterians. Uh, so if you like the thin, spindly, glass cannon kind of dudes who are very finessey and lots of energy shields and stuff like that, this is this is uh, those guys for you. There's very few actual like humanoid elves in this game. Uh, there's some that do up close and personal stuff, but most of them are all robots. So this is kind of your robot faction, which is pretty cool. Uh, I really like the look of the marionettes, which are kind of your generic Asterian troop. So. Big fan of those guys. I, I shouldn't say I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of everything, so it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> it, it goes without saying, you play them all. Uh, yeah, well, I've been playing for a while. <laughs> so I've, I've accumulated them all over a long amount of time. So. Well, and, and that's something to be said about Dead Zone is because you're not collecting two, 300 models, right? You can dabble in just about all of them, and you can get a new faction or a new strike force up and running pretty quick. Yeah, and then within each faction, too, there's there's a pretty good amount of variety in terms of like the list you can build. Um, so there's, there's different ways you can play, you know, the same faction, which is which is really good for for keeping it fresh. And you know that that way you can you can actually have like your favorite faction, but you can play it differently each time you want to play it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, moving along with the other races, uh, there's the Forge Fathers, which we were talking about. These are your stunty dwarfs in space they have a ton of miniatures like it's clearly ronnie's favorite faction because they get green lit on every single idea they get <laughs> there's like so many different varieties there's minor type dudes there's heavy armor dudes there's medium armor dudes there's walking tanks like they got everything so forge fathers are really cool for a long time they were who i'd consider to be my favorite but i i don't even know anymore i just I just like switching around too much. Uh, let's see. Who am I forgetting? Oh, nameless. Yeah, um, yeah, the Nameless. So Nameless are kind of the Space Squid Cthulhu face dudes. So these are... Um, I've seen a few. I think Mike Carter in Ohio. He's got uh, he's got an army of Trident Realm where he uses basically all these miniatures. So they're, they're kind of uh, sea-influenced things. Basically, these... Uh, it's just a, a wide variety of different alien species that all call themselves the Nameless, which is pretty cool. Uh, they, they're they quickly becoming one of my favorite factions just because I find their play style so interesting. They have a lot of like 
synergies where one guy will shoot something, which makes the other guy fight it better and just cool stuff like that. So they're very alien and they have a giant model called the Goliath, which is actually uh, in, in Kings of War, they, they use this as the basis for the terror in the Night Stalkers and the Kraken for the Trident Realm. So it's, it's like that big. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, I've, uh, I haven't talked about Veermen yet. Veermen are the Ratkin in space. Or I guess Ratkin are the not Veermen. <laughs> uh, Veermen are basically just all the all, all the gribbly space rat guys that you've come to know and love. There's big giant rats. There's little tiny scurrying rats. There's packs of rats. It, if you like rats, this is this is the one. So uh, quite a bit of unit variety too. There's they even have like heavily armored like spacesuit rats, which is really cool. Big fan of those guys. They're called full chasers. So it's kind of like a sub-faction within the faction. So, yeah. Veermen have an insane amount of stuff that they can pick from. And then there's the hometown hero, everybody's favorite, the Rebs. Uh, the Rebs is basically the weird conglomeration of all the people who are pissed off at the GCPS for taking all their land and using their places as as corporate ways to make money. So this is your anti-establishment, take down the government, you know, freedom fighter guys. Uh, they're all really disorganized. So there's like a wide variety of different things going on within the faction. You'll have tons of different races within your, just your strike team, which is really fun. So it's kind of your grab bag of whatever. And um, they seem to be kind of everybody's underdog heroes, probably due to star Wars and other things like that. But Rebs are pretty cool. And I think that covers all the factions. I'm glad I'm glad you've remembered the the Rebs because Brian Novak would uh, not appreciate it if you forgot the Rebs. Oh yeah, I mean you gotta woo go Rebs, otherwise you know you're missing out. So you know that what's nice about it is not only do you have uh, a lot of different strike teams that have very unique aesthetics, the different um, strike teams play differently, right? You got some that are more stand back and shoot more. Some are more combat oriented, and even within the faction, you know, like you take enforcers. There's com more combaty builds for enforcers, or there's more, you know, stand back and blow them off the table. Yeah, so it's really whatever you want to make of it, too. And especially when you're playing Dead Zone, it's only, like I said, it's like less than ten miniatures. So if you really wanted to do like an all, all run up and hit you with hammers kind of Forge Fathers, you totally can. Like that's pretty cool. Or you can have a bunch of guys to sit in the back and shoot you. And that's all in the same faction, but very different kind of ways to play, which is which is good for for you know depth and replayability. Now let's talk about the terrain because that's another unique piece. You know, obviously Mantic makes uh, this cube terrain where it's all based on a three inch cube, and uh, they make tons of different like landing pads and refineries. And so maybe talk us through that because I think that's. That's an integral part of the game as well, because, you know, very quickly you can build some really creative and unique landscapes, you know, uh, it, you yeah, know very compact. Absolutely. So when, when Dead Zone first released, it was kind of marketed as this is all the the forsaken worlds that get shut down because the plague outbreak happened. And and so they, they just kind of locked down the planet. And so this is like always the fringes of space. And then. As we moved to second edition, they had the Veermen, and that was called Infestation. So it was all in like mining worlds and stuff like that. And now with third edition, what's really cool with the terrain is they're kind of shifting more towards actual lived-in environments, which is the way I've always kind of preferred to play. 
uh, rather than like a bunch of ruined cities and stuff like that. I really like doing, you know, like, oh, I could picture a guy going out to try to get a cup of coffee in this universe and then all this stuff starts breaking out. And so that's kind of where we are with the story now. And so all the terrain has kind of reflected that throughout the years. So it started off as kind of bare bones, like prefab fa facilities and terrain like that. And then it moved kind of towards refineries and foundry foundries and, you know, that kind of thing. And now it's kind of a cyberpunk sort of uh, aesthetic to it, which is just great. And the actual terrain is just so fun to put together. It's, it's like putting back, it's, it's like going back in time and just like playing with Lego. It's just, it's great. I mean, you just have all the freedom in the world to do whatever you want with the stuff. It's basically all shipped out to you in like little tiles. And then you connect the tiles into 90 degree angles and shapes and things like that. You can build towers. You can build long buildings. Like you can just do anything you want with it, which is just so much fun. And actually, now that I have the uh, the third edition starter set, I actually have some terrain again because I've had so much terrain throughout the years that I haven't really bought any new stuff. I just rearrange all the stuff I have. But now I get to go through the joy of actually like putting it together again, which is going to be really fun because I haven't done it in a long time. Well, it should be said that over the years, as they add different um, styles of terrain, it's all interconnected. Like it, they they never had a reset, so like it all works together. And I do I do like what you you know you said where you know up until this point it's been very industrial, like uh, dead zone, like this dead world, right, or this dead refinery, or this you know abandoned warehouse. But now they're adding more, uh, giving it a more lived-in feel with some of the new terrain that they're putting in the new starter box. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff. Like in the new starter box, they have kind of you know cyberpunk neon signs for you know burgers and and fish markets and just you know random random characters and things like that. There's a, a little little thing you can attach to your terrain that is like a countertop that just looks like it's got napkin dispensers and like ketchup bottles, which is just. It just adds a whole extra element of like, oh, this is a real place. This Yeah, this, it gives it that lived-in feel not, for sure. Yeah, it's like, oh, I can actually I can actually see someone be in here and not not just like a oh, it's a game. It looks like paintball. Like it's it's not like that. It's it's pretty cool. So and I've, I've always just loved the terrain. Um, actually putting it together is really fun. With third edition coming out, you know, what's the best place for someone where where where, where do you jump in? I would say if you don't have the stuff, the starter set is legitimately the best place to start because you'll you'll get the book uh, that has all the rules in it. You'll get the book that has all the factions in it. Plus, you'll get enough terrain to really kind of get a good feel. Uh, I would definitely recommend adding more terrain when you when you can. So, like if you got the starter set and then bought another set of terrain that you like the look of, like if you do like the foundry stuff or you like the you know industrial sort of or the landing pad or whatever. Um, I think adding more terrain to your starting point is definitely where I would start. And then you can add models and stuff after that. But I think figure out the faction that you like, just get the one that you like the look of because odds are you can probably figure out a way that you'll enjoy playing them because all of them have different, like we said, there's different ways you can play each faction. So uh, I think it's all about kind of finding whatever you like, whatever you want to paint and being like, wow, this guy looks badass. I want him in here. So that's, that's kind of where I would start. Well, it's it's a different thing than Kings of War because in Kings of War, you know, you could say paint what you like, but the reality is someone that's a that's a deep rabbit hole for someone to go into to only find they don't that the play style doesn't match their 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 preference. In Dead Zone, if you just pick an army based on if you like the looks of it and it ends up being not an army that you really, you know, you don't enjoy playing, 
well, you got to, you know, <laughs> I don't know how well, long it takes to paint a strike team, but you're not, you're, you're not invested the same not, way. It's not huge. And also, you know, if, if you pick the core of the way the, the models that you're going to be painting look, odds are you can just switch out the weapon and that'll change how they're going to play. You know, if, if you look at a forge father and you're like, man, super space dwarves with power armor, are just awesome. I love that aesthetic, but I think modeling all up with hammers is kind of crap because they're really slow. You can just switch it out for a gun and you can still keep that aesthetic, but you know, play a different way, which is, which is really nice. They have a new two player starter set that's come out. It's got new, like I said, it's got new terrain. It's got different factions this time, right? So it's, it's GCPS and, and Bremer. Yep. Yep. So rats and dudes, uh, just scrapping it out. Plus the, the new, they, they put one resin model per, uh, per faction in there. So there's like a human leader and a, a Veerman leader. And the Veerman leader is, super cool like i know if you guys gush about the the mantic resin stuff mm-hmm. this is worth gushing about it's so awesome he's got these big long claws like nine inch nails and he's just he's got the leader pose with his with his foot up because all leaders are required by law i'm pretty sure to have their their foot up on a pedestal or a crate or something and he's just he's just rocking a sweet pose and yeah he he's awesome so it's definitely a good place to start i i think the Starter set this time really nails it, which is really great to say because for the past like five years, I've been like, man, if there's a good starter set I could point people towards, it'd be a lot easier to get people into the game. And now that's actually a reality. So big fan of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and let's, you know, we, we, we hinted at it that you do have this third edition. Let's talk about, you know, you mentioned streamlining, but what were some of the major changes uh, or or the, the most important changes to the, to, to the game. Yeah. So the, the biggest change I think in terms of rules, like that actually changed would be the way line of sight works before it was literally, can you see any piece of the model? If so, you can shoot it and you can also be shot at, which could lead to some like really annoying little gamey things that, you know, we all, we all did it because that's the way the game was written. You know, uh, if it says you can do this, like why not? So that would basically yield to a bunch of stuff where <clears throat> it would basically yield yourself to like a bunch of weird scenarios where it's like your guy's standing wide out in the open, you know, he's in the middle of the street, but his gun barrel is poking, you know, like a fraction of a millimeter past the wall. And you're like, well, that's not really a clear shot. Cause you can't see all the model. And it's like, it harkens back to the, why we like Kings of war, right. With, without true line of sight. Well, so yeah, dead sun still, it's still true line of sight. Yeah. But you're using like a silo now, right? Like, so the base, you basically, yeah, it's like a cylinder. So you start at the bottom of the base and then you go up to the top of the model's head. And if you can see that part, that's the part that really matters. So most models are already kind of built like that anyways, right? There's not a lot of people that have a lot of stuff out, overhanging their bases or anything like that and this definitely shook up the community a little bit but i think once people start playing like this they won't even notice and they'll enjoy it a lot more because i already do uh, i always hated when it's like oh i've got this guy who's got a monkey tail and you can see the very tip of the tail but not any other piece of the model and now you can shoot the guy and he died and it's like how would that even work like you you saw the guy's fingernail come on he's not dead so it, it kind of kind of cleared up that stuff and then a lot of third editions just kind of uh, coming through the rules and just taking out some of the weird redundancies that that we found ourselves in in terms of like actual language in the uh, in the book itself. That's definitely one of the biggest and best changes is just kind of just cleaning it up and making it so there's no 
random times where it says assault, but then the next sentence will say when you're fighting. And it's like, wait, do those mean the same thing? Or yeah. So all that kind of like second edition hiccups and little things like that have been sort of cleared up, which is, which is nice. You know, those are the kind of things that throw a new player off, right? When you're not consistent in the verbiage. Yeah. And then, so obviously verbiage is a big thing. Uh, the line of sight thing's a, a pretty big thing, but you know, the core of the game is it's so good from, from second edition, especially. So it's, it's still got a lot of core things that are basically the same. Uh, one of my biggest favorite changes is, uh, the way command dice are. So they still are the same thing, but basically you roll command dice, however many you get is dependent on how good your leader is at leading. So if you have like a sergeant type dude, you might get like one extra dice. But if you have like the captain guy, you'd probably get two or three. They have different sides and they, you know, you can have an extra action, like yeah, extra so one move the, or an extra ammo. X factor stuff. Yeah, this gives you the chance to do like extra actions. Like you said, you can either move extra or shoot extra or fight extra, or I can go twice in a row before you get to go. Um, and then there's like the special stuff. But one of my favorite things about third edition is they added one more thing you can do with command dice. And this is kind of stolen from Dreadball because it works so well in Dreadball. Uh, is basically if I have a bunch of command dice and I can't figure out a good use for them, I can spend it no matter what the actual facing is on the dice. I can spend that dice to get a reroll. So if you have that really clutch, that really clutch thing where it's like, oh, and and because you only get you know four command dice every round, so it's not like you can do this all the time. Like it, it is a big commitment to be like, I'm going to drop one of these to reroll one dice. Like it's big, and it can definitely come to those moments where it's like, and, and you get to pick this one after you roll, which is amazing. Because uh, a lot of things you have to kind of declare before you roll. This one, no, you get to roll and be like, I really need this guy to stay alive, so I'm going to play a command dice uh, to re-roll the die, and I got it. So now he's alive, which is just great. So it always gives you a chance to do something, which is which is nice. Well, there's nothing worse when you have you roll your command dice and you're getting stuff that really is not useful to the way you've built your strike team. <laughs> or yeah, or it's the first round and you're getting a bunch of like extra fight actions, but the guy is like six cubes away. You're like, I can't use this. But now when you're getting shot at because you're six cubes away, you can be like, yeah, I'm better at not dying, which is just nice. Oh, and Rob, we forgot we forgot to mention the best part about Dead Zone. The best part is exploding eights. Yes, we do like exploding eights here on, on Counter Charge. Oh yeah. Um, if you can roll eights, eights. I mean, you know, I'll talk, you know, how do you get good? You just roll eights. Yeah, apparently Jeremy Duvall took that lesson to heart because he <laughs> after the uh, event in, in Idaho at Refugees of the Old World, uh, after the event was over, we all played some dead zone. I, I put two demo boards out and had four guys play and I just kind of, you know, walked through and answered questions. Um and apparently Jeremy is just unstoppable in Dead Zone. All he he won the event in Kings of War and then just goes into the Dead Zone demo and just G stomps his opponent because he just rolled ungodly good. It was it was dumb. So yeah, exploding ace basically just means if you roll an eight on your eight side to die, you get a bonus dice after that. And you just keep going. It's always like a success you get an extra die. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so it's, you just, it's fun. You just keep going and going. So it doesn't matter. If you have like the crappiest model ever and you're fighting the biggest best model ever, if you rolled a bunch of eights in a row, you can you can you can do the impossible, which is always super fun. There's one of the few things that you know Vanguard used from Dead Zone uh, is the exploding eights. You know, I'm a big fan of the mechanic, and I understand you know on you know if you it would be hard to implement something like that in, in Kings of War because of the scale, but in a skirmish game, you know these are our heroes. Like this 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 should happen. 
Okay, yeah, this and, little... and basically all those all those exploding eight moments are just like the best possible cinematic moments. Exactly. Those are the ones you remember, you know, where it's oh, like, yeah. I... oh, you know, my guy's injured and you just threw your biggest, baddest dude into the same cube and you're going to beat the hell out of him. But, oh, wait, I just rolled an eight train and my guy pulled off the impossible, stuck out his knife and jabbed your guy in the throat and got him. Like, it's just so cool. And it's just so much fun to actually do. Like when you're rolling... And you're just on a roll, like a literal on a roll. You're just rolling an eight. Oh, I got another eight. Oh, I got another eight. No way I got another eight. It's just so much fun. Yeah, it's it's it is a lot of fun. It's also uh interesting to be on the other side, right? When you're just like, all right, man. <laughs> eight, yeah, where it's like, eight. all right, well, clearly you want this more than I do, because I could exactly like I didn't do that. <laughs> well, let's talk about some resources that are available for people that are interested in in getting into Dead Zone. Obviously, we talked about Dread Path Zone, your channel. Um, yeah, I know my, that I my saw channel's obviously the biggest and best resource. Uh, don't don't look that up, but that's yeah. True. And I also saw that uh, Mantic has put up some videos on. Yeah, yeah. So they they have the more uh, traditional two guys sitting at the table uh, teaching you how to play the game, uh, which is a really good way to learn, uh, especially if you kind of just want to get a feel for the actual way the game plays. Other than that, I, I would recommend watching battle reports. Uh, I I do battle reports. Uh, Weight of fire is another great uh, YouTube channel for this uh, family gamer seven, seven, seven. I don't know if they're going to get back into dead zone. I, I, I imagine they will. I hope they do. Uh, that's coach out in New York and you know, you get that classic New Yorker vibe. So that's fun. In terms of podcasts, you, you mentioned way to way to fire. That's Andy Sharp and company. And, uh, and then obviously dead zone, the podcast is another resource. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Those guys, those guys take it to another level. They always do all the most insane. Well, stuff. they're insane. Let's be honest; they're clinically yeah. insane. Yeah, the deads on the podcast guys take everything to like the next level. So they'll take, oh, these are enforcers, and they're like, actually, I kitted up all of my guys and changed every model to look like GI Joe, and mm-hmm. you're just like, what? How? You know that kind exactly. of stuff. So they're hardcore. Yeah, they're they're super hardcore, and they have a good base out there too. So they get lots of games in, which is you know. What did I ask you about? You know, what 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 do we need to touch on? You know, Dead Zone's shipping now. If you're looking to get into it, the two player starter set's a good way to go. Um, you know, one question that, that that might might be interest people might be interested here is, you know, what's a typical game um, last? How long does a typical game go? Yeah, so there's basically two point values that most people play at. Uh, I think there's the 150 point value, which if I'm going to compare to Kings of War, is kind of like playing at 1995. So it's kind of, you know, you you get to pick your stuff. It's kind of tight. uh, And then, you know, it's fun. It's a good time. It probably takes a little over an hour, I'd say, maybe, a 150 point game. And then the best point level, which is similar to like a 2300 list in Kings of War. This is the 200 point game. Uh, this is where I feel like the game is at its best because you just get to bring, you get to bring that extra monster, you get to bring that extra guy with a jetpack, you know, just little cool stuff that you probably can't afford in the 150 game, but you can totally squeeze into a 200 point game. Uh, so this is the best place to play, and that's you know probably about an hour and a half or so uh, is is about how long it takes. So Dead Zone is very minimal in terms of like time and rulebook. But it's just really fun, and it's it's just quick and back and forth, which is hey, bro, great. I'm looking at the website, Dead Zone GCPS Urban Pacification Booster. What the hell is this, bro? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. What <laughs> is it? Those are awesome. Those are riot. They look shield. amazing. Yeah, riot shield dudes who just go in and they're like uh, riot. They're, they're almost like alley vipers from GI Joe. Yeah, like, they're super cool. SWAT and troopers. Also, 
and and they're really beneficial for your actual team too because each each guy that has a defender shield who's got the actual shield he gives everybody else in the same cube as him like armor which is really really cool and really oh strong. now i gotta i gotta i'm gonna so all right if you don't have a local gaming store make sure you hit up warroomhobbies.com they have uh all your dead zone needs as well. Looks like I'm going to have to place an order tonight. Cause I didn't, didn't even realize. Yeah. There's some really cool stuff now. I mean, and especially like if I didn't mention these guys yet, but the, uh, the, the other guys I'm working on are the Matsudon, which are oh basically big Japanese inspired sumo lizards. Uh, they're just really cool. So they have like ion weapons and katanas and stuff. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm working on right now. I'm really pumped about it. And then I'm going to get a specter, which is a, a big, like Gundam looking Walker bot thing for the space elf guys. So yeah, it's, it's a really cool time and they're, they're really putting in the effort to, to make cool stuff, which is, which is greatly appreciated. It's, it's such a great game and it's so much fun. So it's just good to see it, get the support it deserves. One more big thing about dead zone. That's great. I, I read all these posts on fanatics about lamenting about what do I do with my mantic points? Well, it turns out, there's a crap ton of dead zone models available for free with Mantic points. So if you got them, yeah, you got them saved true. up, go on the website and check a look, man. There's a ton of like special characters. I'm probably due to do that. Actually. I've, I've got quite a few gaps in my collection that are mostly special character guys. And I have a bunch of Mantic points. I need to burn. That's a good point, Rob. I like that. But is there anything else we, you know, that we, we should, we should, uh, we would remiss for not mentioning. No, I mean, I think, that pretty much covers it. I just want to express to everybody that it's just a really fun game and it's just a really good shakeup and a good compliment to the fantasy stuff. It's, you know, I used to view it as like, Oh, this is my favorite game and Kings of War is kind of on the side. And then I was kind of all about Kings of War and dead zone kind of took a back seat. And right now they're just like neck and neck for just, I, I see the synergy. I, I, I get to do the best of both worlds. And so I, I think, I think there's a, good market for it within the kings of war community because it is similar in the ways that you want it to be where it's streamlined and quick and easy and fun and you don't have to be checking rules and stuff like that but it's also very different and it's not it's not meticulously planning out your turns in advance and and that kind of thing and actually one of the biggest things we forgot to mention rob about dead zone third edition is now it has easy army support so oh, that right. was that That's was right. something that it's was added. lacking severely in previous versions because we had like random people uploading their Excel spreadsheets and you know random stuff or someone would do Battlescribe but then an update would happen and nothing would change and so you'd be trying to figure out how to convert everything and now with Easy Army it's it's just like Kings of War like you can just sit there and build lists for days and just go crazy with it so yeah having Easy Army is going to be a huge step to just making the whole thing easier because now you're not taking out the pen and the pencil and scribbling out stuff and trying to figure out what you're dropping. And, you know, it's just so much cleaner. Yeah. The hardest thing for me has always been figuring out what weapon is what weapon. <laughs> I know well, we've, I've had, uh, I had also, to come back uh, to you a few times and say, Hey, what weapon is this plastic piece here? Oh, yeah, that's so the flamethrower. That's, that's another thing that uh, dead zone's got going for it too. I actually, uh, on the car ride back from Idaho with Garrett, uh, he was looking at the Dead Zone rulebook, and he's like going through where they have all the pictures and the models. And there's there's a section where it's just got a picture of each weapon, and then what it's called. So That's it'll great. be like, oh, this is a flamethrower, this is a grenade launcher, this is a this, this is a that. And he goes, he looks over at me, and he's like, why doesn't every game do this? And I was like, 
I don't know, but I'm glad Dead Zone does. So, well, um, yeah, because you, I mean, you have a lot of things that are guns, right? Like, and, yeah, and, and if you, you know, didn't do way, that, it's like, well, a gun's a gun, but no, in Dead Zone. Well, and a human grenade launcher looks a certain way, but an Asterian grenade launcher looks completely different. And you'd just look at it and be like, I have no idea what the hell this is. But there's a guide for that in the rule book. So it, it's it's all included. It's Everything's made to be a lot simpler. Um, just cleaning up all the stat profiles, all the redundancies, all the stuff has just been so much better in third edition. It's just so clean, so awesome. fresh, so clean. Yeah, we need to start making this a, a Friday night thing at Kings of War events. You know, bring out the dead zone. Yeah, like I said, dead, Jesse and I always talked about that, uh, trying to get that to be a, a thing. So I'd, I'd love to do that. And, you know, it's it's not a huge commitment, honestly. You know, each one person brings terrain and everybody else brings 10 extra models in addition to their Kings of War stuff. And boom, you got dead zone. It, it's pretty great. So uh, if you haven't ever given dead zone a try, I would highly, highly recommend it. It's just such a fun game. And that's, that's really all you want from a game that's all i want exactly from a game. It's, it's good stuff tyler thanks for coming on and chatting about dead zone getting me to talk about dead zone and is not yeah hard. it's not i didn't have to twist your arm very hard <laughs> yeah <laughs> you said hey you want to come on the podcast and i was like you know with the third edition is it's the perfect time to jump in right so i've got i've pre-ordered my two-player starter set and now i've got to order some more gcps you know and the thing i gotta the get thing, those urban pacifiers oh yeah the thing i like about it though sweet. is it's it, modeling wise it scratches a different itch so like you know, I'm painting ogres, I'm painting knights, I'm painting, and then like, oh, I'm painting infantrymen, yeah. right? That, that's one of the reasons I had such a huge hobby kick is I was doing so much Kings of War painting and you know painting lots of knights and dragons and horses and horses and horses and I hate horses, and then it's like I need to switch up, I need a break, so I just looked over at my shelf and I was like, what about those enforcers? And I'm, now I'm painting laser guns and glowing eyes mm-hmm. and armor and stuff like that it's just it, it definitely scratches a different itch both gameplay wise and and hobby wise which is just it's really nice to do sometimes well you want to take us out sir yeah uh everybody go play some dead zone keep rolling eights and keep counter charging thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on counter charge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.